So Money episode 1156, Adam Ariema, Editor-in-Chief of Next Advisor. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. I was the editor of Money for a while, and I don't remember tracking federal policy and its implications as closely as I have here at Next Advisor because the pandemic and all of that relief legislation and the change in employment benefits and the change in this and that, like it made us all suddenly aware of just how impactful government policy can be on our wallets. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. It's February 3rd. I am underneath a lot of snow here in New Jersey. Oh my goodness, 18 inches of snow. Last time I remember 18 inches of snow, I was a child. It's crazy. I moved to the suburbs. I've experienced two consecutive snowstorms. It's kind of nice, I have to say. Those of you who are in warmer territories, I am jealous, but also it's really beautiful when it snows, especially in the suburbs, not like the city where everything gets muddy and slushy within within hours. But anyway, I've got a cozy episode for us today, cozying up to you wait for it, taxes. We have some good news, I guess, on the tax front. Good news, bad news uh, with So much that has changed as far as COVID-19 and the stimulus bill that is impacting how the IRS is going to be defining certain tax laws and or changing some tax laws. One of them is that tax season has been delayed. And so we got an episode here for you on how to get ready for that, what to know, how to get your refund as soon as possible. If you did not get a stimulus check, we're going to talk about how to claim that money on your taxes and how to make the most of your taxes this year. Uh, some reminders, right? Things like making contributions to your IRA. Joining me to go through all of this give us the good information is my friend Adam Ariema, who's my boss at Next Advisor too. He's the editor-in-chief of Next Advisor, the personal finance channel of Time Magazine. You know Adam, if you listen to the show, he's been on the podcast a couple of times. Before Next Advisor, Adam was editor-in-chief of Money Magazine, and he was deputy bureau chief at the Wall Street Journal. Teams working under Adam have gone to receive the Gerald Loeb Award for Business and Financial Journalism, which is kind of like the Oscars. It's like the Academy Award of Financial Journalism. And they've also won a National Association of Black Journalists Digital Media Commentary Award and an Emmy nomination. Can you believe that? He's the real deal. And we're so excited to have him on. And he'll talk a little bit about the behind the scenes at Next Advisor, the stories that we think should be written but haven't yet. We have a little bit of an editorial brainstorm session. So if you're into news, if you're into taxes, or you just want to know how to best prepare for tax season 2020, you're in for a treat. Here we go. Here's Adam Ariema. Adam Ariema, welcome back to So Money. We have to catch up. (laughs) Hey, thank you. It's good to be here. Yes, we have a lot to catch up on. Firstly, congratulations are in order because last time you were here was last summer, June, July of 2020, and you had just launched nextadvisor.com, which is the latest and greatest personal finance platform powered by Time Magazine. I'm 
gift. I'm fortunate to be a contributing editor uh, on the team, and we've done such great work together. Can I just brag? <laughs> how Please. many how many people are coming to the site now in just six months? Tell us. Uh, I'm so glad you asked. Yeah, we have over a million people per month coming to us now, as of December and as of January, which is. Super exciting because, as you know, you launched with us in June um, when we started with zero followers. So this is yes. great, great growth. Well, you're here to talk about all of the things we need to know regarding this year's tax season. There are some changes. There's some important information we want to get out to listeners. But while I've got you on this topic of launching a media company in a pandemic, in a recession, what do you think has led to the excitement and a adoption with Next Advisor. I mean, there's no shortage of financial content out there. And I know it's only been, you know, half of a year, but what do you think is working? I mean, that's the thing. There's just so much happening in the world of money and the economy and personal finance. And in a weird way, I think like that actually makes us at an advantage because we're starting fresh from this really interesting and unique moment in time. One of my favorite stories that you've written for us was your five old money rules that just aren't true anymore. And it was great. It was like, you know, things like, you know, never take money out of your 401k. Well, actually, the rules are a little bit different this year. Or, you know, you talked about in a video, you just did the old advice of never leasing a car. Well, maybe not so true anymore with these specific conditions. But there are just so many ways in which the personal finance advice and world has changed so much. And we get to take a first crack at that. We don't have to worry about updating all of our old stuff or updating our points of view. We're just starting with a really timely perspective on money. And there's just a lot of confusion. I mean, a lot of the audience growth that came to us last month is people trying to figure out their unemployment benefits. They were set to expire at the end of the month. And there was a last minute deal to avoid that, but it added some new rules. Now all of a sudden gig workers have to file some extra documentation in order to get their unemployment benefits or even risk having to pay some of them back. So there's just a lot of rapidly changing dynamics, including all this federal legislation around pandemic relief that's often hard to understand. So we do best when we're just providing information to people and giving them, here's what's happening in the news and here's what you might have to do about it. And there's just a need for that type of information this year. We're happy to help. Well, let's get to some of the top headlines circling around the tax season and the changes to your point. And Next Advisor is covering this all extensively. So everybody, you can go to nextadvisor.com. In addition to tax articles, there's a whole vertical on saving, then managing debt, building credit, real estate. And I think you're getting into insurance this year as well. I didn't know this. I'm kind of happy about it, that the IRS pushed back tax season. Yeah. So what does this mean for mostly, um, most importantly, what does this mean for people who are waiting for like a refund? in 2021. Yes. Apparently the IRS, like many of us, is a bit overwhelmed and overworked right now. And just truly, like according to the quotes, needed more time to figure out this big relief package that passed at the end of last year and how they need to change their systems. But anyway, the takeaway is they're not opening filing season until February 12th this year, which is a couple weeks later than they normally do it, which is in late January. And you're right, like this comes at a tough time because a lot of people count on refunds and they count on getting them as soon as they can. 
And this may delay that for some people. So what we're saying is the filing season got delayed to February 12th. So your best bet is to get a little bit organized now so that you can file right on the 12th and get first in line. The IRS says that 90% of people who file electronically get their refund in about 21 days, assuming there's no problem with their return. So that means if you file as early as possible on February 12th, the earliest you could get your refund is now early March. So that's good to know. Sure. But for example, some things you can do now. So the IRS has a free file tool. If you make less than $72,000, you can go on the IRS website, file your taxes for free. If you know what you're doing and you have all your stuff, you can file it now. And then that just sets you up in a queue. And as soon as it turns the calendar on February 12th, your return will be submitted. So that's a great way to just like get first in line when that opens. You know, and the other thing to do is, is now is the time to gather all your stuff and your W-2s. I mean, people like me who worked for maybe a couple of different employers last year, had some side hustles and side gigs, you might want to take a minute now to track down all of those W-2s, make sure those people have their your correct address or they know how to get you that information so that there's no further delay just because you didn't get all your paperwork together. Yeah, I know like for entrepreneurs and the serial side hustlers, the reason I thought this was somewhat good news for me, because that's all who I care about, um, <laughs> is that my CPA is always knocking on my door like January 15th. Get your stuff in. Where's your my, my husband's got to like get his double his pay stubs in and all the things. And I feel like that's bought us a little bit of time to give her everything that she needs to then, you know, start filing on time without having to do some sort of a, she sometimes does a um, extension for us. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't get the refund usually. So that's also why I didn't think of it in those terms. I'm always paying quarterly my taxes. If anything, I owe. (laughs) Um, This is great for you. You just delayed. Yeah. (laughs) Although some people, a good amount of people are in a situation where they have to claim their stimulus check on their tax returns because they didn't get it for some reason. So if you're expecting a refund, a refund, you know, you want this to happen as quickly as possible. But for other people, it's like they still haven't gotten their hands on their stimulus check and they have to do that through the tax return process. So that's one thing that people might be anxious for. That's a good point. All right. In the article, everybody, if you want more on this, is the IRS pushback tax season. Here's how to get your refund and stimulus as quickly as possible. <laughs> and did you already mention this, wh- how to claim it when you're doing your taxes? Uh, this is an, an article that you guys are publishing on that is for people who didn't get their stimulus check. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So there are it's a, some group of people who didn't get that second $600 stimulus check. And if you're not sure if you're one of them, like the IRS has a tool called Get My Payment. And if you get the, the certain error message, it's like, what is it? Payment status number two, not available. This is like the error message of death that some people are getting on the IRS website. And it Unfortunately, it means like for whatever reason, they weren't able to get your payment info and you can't get your stimulus check and you're going to have to claim it as a tax refund instead. There's another group of people who have to do this. So, you know, the stimulus checks 
qualifications are based on your 2019 tax info. That's what the government has on you. But if you weren't eligible under 2019 rules, but your income fell in 2020, maybe, and now you are, well, they're not going to know that till they didn't send you a check. So a lot of the, I would probably all of the free filing systems or the electronic tax systems, they're going to prompt you when you're doing returns to say, hey, do you need to claim your stimulus check? And it's going to ask you a few questions. And it looks fairly easy. We checked out TurboTax, we checked out Intuit, and also the IRS free file tool. And they all have pretty user-friendly like pop-ups that, that, that say, here's what you need to do to claim your stimulus check. So hopefully it's straightforward, but you should know going in if that's something you need to do. You know, it's not the best website, but the IRS, given that it is such this, you know, this dearth of information and it's, it's so heavy, it's pretty easy to navigate. Yeah. It's pretty, I mean, it's pretty easy. It's pretty clear. I'm on the IRS website more than I <laughs> would have predicted a while ago. And yeah, you're, there's, there's good info there. There's no frills, but there's good info if you need it, for sure. Did you know that some people file still with pen and paper? And yes, there's still a cohort. And that the error rate for those who choose to do the whole snail mail route yeah. is 20%. Two percent. <laughs> of course, one in four, one in five are getting a mistake on their credit. I'm sorry, on their tax return, and it's usually it's like they transpose numbers on the social security. You know, or they like forgot they got married that year and they filed single, and you know that happens. And and so that stinks because then you have to delay the whole process. You have to get it gets sent back. You have to correct it. You are not going to get your refund. Seriously, who are these people? I would love to meet them. We should do an article on those people. Right? Yeah. No offense to those people. I want you to migrate to irs.gov and not have an error on your tax return. And there's, if you follow, like you said, if you fall under a certain income threshold, you can usually get it, do this for free. And if you go to your local library, which maybe not now in COVID, but maybe they're doing virtual sessions, there have, there's people weekends, I know in February, March, They'll have a lot of local libraries, tax experts come in and help people file their taxes for free. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, there is a lot of help out there. But unfortunately, now is the time to, to figure all of that out. You also have some really interesting pieces on the website about what we can be doing to optimize our taxes as we file. Things to think about to either reduce our tax exposure or get more tax benefits. One is to make sure to make that catch-up contribution to the IRA. Yeah, I love this one. This is one of my favorite pieces of advice because there aren't many situations in personal finance where you can like go back in time and correct a mistake, but this is actually one of them. So you are allowed to contribute $6,000 to your IRA every year, whether that's a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. You just did a video about this. They both have tax advantages. You know, there's some nuance between them, but basically they're both great. And they're both a really great way to invest in the market in a tax advantage way. So tax day is not only when your taxes are due, but it's also the deadline for those IRA contributions. So if you've decided this year that investing is a priority for you or, um, you know, you want to play catch up, you have until April 15th to contribute to your IRA and have it count as a 2020 contribution, which is really cool. If you didn't invest in your IRA last year, basically there's still time. So you could spend the first few months of the year 
funding as much of your 2020 contribution as possible, all the way up to 6,000 if you can do it. And then you can pivot to your 2021 contributions and start getting to 6,000 there. So it's just a good reminder that, you know, tax season is also an opportunity to look at where you're investing and making sure you're getting the most out of accounts that give you tax benefits. And the IRA is one of the best ones. I'd imagine this is a good number of people who may have lost their jobs in early 2020, as so many people were furloughed or unemployed and lost access to their 401k, but also stopped even just contributing to things like their IRA and their Roth IRA. So if things have picked up for you since then, you've picked up work, you can, as you say, go back in time and make up for some of those missed payments that were intentional because you had to shore up cash to make ends meet during a tough time. But now maybe you have more breathing room. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or maybe have, you got a, you know, end of year bonus. Um, and you, if you're lucky enough to be able to invest some of that, why not make it $2020? So you still give yourself tons of opportunity to do it in 2021. So what are going to be the big money stories in 2021, you think, Adam? I mean, uh, someone who's been covering personal finance for like the last, I don't know, can we say decade? Yeah, we can. Yikes. Um, I know that there's so much that repeats. And I was laughing when you were talking about how Next Advisor has this fresh opportunity to kind of write from scratch. Mm-hmm. I remember being at Money Magazine back in like, the early 2000s and literally love Money Magazine and I'm nothing against Money Magazine, but this, and I don't think this was exclusive to our newsroom, but every month was basically the, the, so June, like 2002, the issue was basically June 2000 issue and June 1999 issue. We just changed surveys and anecdotes, but the advice was always the same and it never changed. And the only way like we refresh things most of the time was just through like a new study, Mm -hmm. but it always pointed to the same advice. Yeah. And that was the kind of the running theme that like, it's a lot of the same old, same old freshened up a little bit new photos and new graphs and new charts. Um, So you're saying that that is kind of no longer, or at least not as much. And so what are going to be the fresh new stories that we haven't even heard about yet, you think? Hmm. Well, put you on the spot, but I kind of am. (laughs) No, no, for sure. I mean, you've heard about the big stories, I think. I don't think I can catch you with something you haven't heard about. And and you're right. In a lot of ways, like personal finance does stay the same. I think the things that are different this year, I see two big things that we're going to be following really closely. One is just real estate and housing, the interest rate environment combined with the work from home, work remotely, work from wherever attitude, combined with people who are in financial pain and might have to relocate due to that or get roommates or whatever. There's just a lot of activity in housing right now. And, um, you know, things like people are bidding on three, four or five houses before getting uh, an offer. Things mm-hmm. like their credit score requirements are changing all the time and just whether or not you can get a mortgage, it's different. So that coming into the spring, which is like traditionally the hot buying season, like I don't know how that's going to work out because the market's been like hot and crazy all year. And now it's coming into a time where it's 
supposed to be the peak. So we're going to like stay right on top of that. The other thing that I'm excited to talk more about and cover more is again, not something new, but I think newly urgent, which is just the idea of side hustles and multiple income streams and being really smart about investing. I think people in the economy saw the economy last year and unfortunately many of them experienced it. You know, your career is just not as stable as you would like a lot of times. And there's been a lot of people who have out of necessity have had to create new income streams or new small businesses or just completely pivot in the way they make money. And so I think more and more, we really want to take the posture of like, if you're in control of your financial situation, which we want you to be, that means diversifying your income and and maybe starting a small business or starting a side hustle or thinking about ways you can drastically change your income picture, whether it's renting out rooms or whatever it is. But And then all the implications that go along with that, right? So now you have to pay your taxes differently and et cetera, et cetera. So one, two big priorities for us is like cover this crazy real estate market, help people out with housing costs, which is the biggest part of many people's budget. Mm -hmm. And then I think we need to talk more about like the earning money side of the equation. Yeah. I love articles about earning money. You know me, I'm (laughs) all about that. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And I think if I were, if I was also, if I had a crystal ball or at least the things that I would be interested in reading about or following, mm, um, yeah, like what is, this is how Adam and I talk about what we're going to do for next advisor, by the way. So yeah. you're, you're basically getting in, in on a, an editor session, but well, one is the democratization of investing mm-hmm. where obviously we know what's happened with GameStop. I just did a whole episode on that. Um, and that was led by retail investors, a community of, of folks on Reddit who decided to inflate the stock by buying it up. And, um, you know, on the one hand, I'm very intrigued by that. It's kind of cool, but also stupid. And <laughs> people think that that's going to be the just the way things are going to run. No, like obviously GameStop is going to have a hard crash at some point. It's not going to continue to go up. And, but, you know, there there's this new crop, huge soaring crop of people that are giving investment advice again, in, in, like to millennials. Mm. And um, they're on TikTok, mm. you know, they're, uh, they're on Twitter and they're in Reddit community threads. And, and I just wonder, what can we learn from this? What are, what, are the, what are the takeaways? And the White House is investigating the GameStop stuff. So at what point do we have to create new laws around this? Because it can be very dangerous. And I don't know what the answers are, but these are just the things that the the thought bubbles that I have. There's so much to sort of unpack and explore in the investing world, like this new culture of investing that's been promoted by the Robin Hoods of the world, which I did a story on that for Next Advisor too. What, What will investing look like in five years? It's already changed so much. And then how is blockchain going to change that and crypto? I don't even know. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we've don't assign me these articles because I, 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 I don't think I have the ability to like grasp it all. <laughs> I just ask the question. <laughs> yeah, I'm not editing a blockchain story. Uh, Please no. Itself. It the GameStop thing is enti- is just so fascinating. I'm I'm really eager to see if it happens again and what that all means. I mean, to me, it's 
it's a helpful reminder of just the sometimes the complete lack of correlation between what's happening in the stock market and what is real in the economy. Like GameStop as a company didn't become a thousand percent more valuable. People just decided it would be. And right. it, it's such a weird little wake up call about like the fiction of the stock market. I think like, it's a bad look for the stock market. <laughs> yeah, it makes me honestly people have been like asking me about it and I it makes me grateful to be an index fund investor. I feel like I'm just like riding I hope I had some um I'm gonna go see if I have any GameStop and <laughs> I know, right? Maybe I mean hey, I should just look at my net worth on personal capital here for a second. So that's one thing. Yeah, I think there's a lot to explore in the investing world and the pros and cons of like, where, where are we really headed guys? You know, is this what we want? Yeah. Is this the world that we, we like? And then I also think that there's a lot to be written about and reported about the intersection of personal finance and policy. And well, like, for example, right now there's a lot of discussion around minimum wage, right? Making, creating like a $15 federally mandated minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Um, and also so many women losing their jobs in 2020, um, it's like the she session, you know, could there be a world where there is federally provided childcare, Mm. which would support so many families, I think bring a new economy into play, which is like a whole new sector of childcare providers, but also women being able to work and create more equity and diversity in the workplace, Mm. all the, all good things. It's like, so, and we know, we have a good idea of what the government could be doing to play its role in helping people have financial access and equality. But I hope that doesn't get swept under the rug. You know, I feel like we talked a lot about that in 2020 and because of the heightened pressures of the pandemic. But when mm. all this is done, like, let's not forget, you know, what's important. So I hope that that, that stays in the news. I think that's a really good point because I think there is a lot that can be done. And just that connection between personal finance and policy for me has been really strong this year. Like I, I was the editor of money for a while and I don't remember tracking federal policy and its implications as closely as I have here at Next Advisor, because the pandemic and all of that relief legislation and the change in employment benefits and the change in this and that, like it made us all suddenly aware of just how impactful government policy can be on our wallets, like on the day to day. And this is a situation in which like people needed help. And so, but we really needed to track really closely, like what is going on with mortgage forbearance? What was that policy? And what does it say? What's going on with student loans, all these different sectors. And now you know, we where there might be more legislation on the way. And you're right, we have a new administration that has a ton of policy goals, and a ton of goals that would affect our money really directly. So I think the more that we can be aware of what's going on at the policy level, the better. And that's definitely something we're going to be covering really closely. Um, reading so much legislation this year. Like, have you ever done that? Like to write a story, you just like literally download the bill that just passed. And like, I'm like, I mean, not since the last recession, you know, uh, (laughs) not since the last $600 million package that was in 2000, I want to say eight, 2009. I'd also like to see a story about what is the middle class, like Mm -hmm. the new middle class. And people love stories about class Mm -hmm. because a lot of it is dependent on where you live, right? Geography, middle class in New York City, people would 
laugh at you to be like middle class is like I make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year probably and I still can't afford to buy a ha- an apartment. Yeah. That's like that's the reality for a lot of people. So are they what, what where do you fit? People want to know where they fit. They want to know where they stand. As much as I hate putting people in boxes, those articles do very well because I think that we do have this curiosity about like, well, where do I fit mm-hmm. in the world in the grand scheme of things? Am I am I upper middle class? Am I middle class? Am I I love rich and my poor. I don't know. I think that those things are getting redefined as we speak. Do you and think people aspire to be middle class? Like if we came up with some calculator that said there that- used to be a day when middle being middle class was like awesome. Remember the fifties? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I don't remember the fifties uh, actually. But <laughs> no, no, I just haven't like the the term. I watched it on TV. Because- yeah, exactly. Yeah, the term middle class is really interesting. Who are we talking about when we talk about that? Why do we even have to say middle class? Like, you know, who does good stuff on this is Ramit Sethi. He's mm. talked about how let's not talk about class, but talk about, um, I forget, but maybe almost like a psychographic of where you are with money. Like the way that we manage our money is more important than like what we make. Because a lot of times class is dictated by earning mm-hmm. earnings, which is only so informative, you know, but how are you actually able to take what you earn and build a life? And where does that life compare to maybe, I don't know, it's very subjective, but I, again, great fodder for, for content, right? I There's see. like a million things you could write about this. No, I know. Totally. And I just figured out my next like 16 podcasts, I guess. <laughs> All right. See, this is, yeah, you're right. This is so just like a regular brainstorm session yeah. between us. This is where our story ideas come from. <laughs> <laughs> in the meantime, everybody, check out Next Advisor. You'll be one of millions uh, coming to the site now. Right. The download time is just as good as it was in June. Mm-hmm. There's no slowdown to the site, but um, all this to say, congratulations again. So much important content. This is all changing by the hour uh, in 2021 with legislation and 24-7 news cycle. But Adam, congrats. Great job. Thank you for your leadership. And we can't wait to have you back. Yay. Thank you. And thank you so much for all that you've contributed to the site. You are a A plus team member. I'm so happy to thank work with you. you. <laughs> it's all fun. It's I'm, it I'm having fun. a blast. Yeah. Good. Thanks so much to Adam for joining us. If you would like to check out any of the stories that we talked about, please head over to nextadvisor.com. And if there are stories that you want to learn about, right? Like real complex stuff, not like what's an IRA, but you know, what are our predictions or how are certain things changing or what is happening to the middle class? Write to me or direct message me on Instagram. I'm all about giving you what you want. You know that, right? So just tell me and I'll do it or I'll think about it and then I'll probably do it. But I appreciate your feedback. Thanks in advance. Thanks for tuning in and come back here on Friday for an all new Ask Farnoosh. Hope your day is so money.